Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. On the cusp of what many observers are calling one of the most important midterm elections in decades, we're bombarded every day with political advertising for both Democrats and Republicans, each side lambasting the other as a danger to our safety, our economic future, our freedoms, our very way of life. Americans are more polarized than ever, and we don't seem to change much as we get older. But in today's episode, Kieran O'Connor, a leading member of Braver Angels, tells the story of how his organization came together after the 2016 election with a bold mission to bridge the partisan divide, bring Americans together, and strengthen our democratic republic. This determined group of founders wanted to see if we, the people, could still disagree respectfully and just maybe find common ground. They rejected the normalization of extreme polarization, saying no to the breakdown of political and social life that it causes. Today, Kieran will talk about how Braver Angels has been working to rebuild civic trust and heal the wounds between left and white. He'll describe the organization's local alliances, its workshops, one-on-one conversations, town halls, podcasts, and other events across the country. And he'll talk about how each of us can join the efforts of a network of volunteers to bring Americans together, bridge our partisan divides, and continue to build a more perfect union. So now let's meet our guest, Kieran O'Connor. Kieran, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here. And I think this conversation couldn't come at a better time with the midterm elections happening tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm really pleased to have you. Um, my background is one of, of someone who uh, does not, as with your mission, does not accept you know, the inevitability of divides, uh, that, you know, that there are ways to move forward. So um, people will vote and there will be winners and losers tomorrow. But the, the work that you do starts before and continues afterwards. So before I dive into all that work, l- let me just ask you, I, I always like to have my guests um, describe sort of how they got to where they are today. How did, how did you join Braver Angels? So tell us a bit about your background. Sure. Well, I grew up here in New York City. I've always been interested in politics and writing and journalism. My first job was working as a staffer on the 2012 Obama campaign. Mm -hmm. That was my first taste of politics. That led to a career in and around Democratic politics as a campaigner, a consultant. I worked on the 2016 Hillary campaign. And in 2017, I was becoming increasingly concerned with the larger issue of political polarization and the breakdown in trust and communication that made it so we increasingly see our political opponents as not just wrong or misguided, but as fundamentally bad people whose ways of thinking are dangerous and incomprehensible. And this level of civic rancor threatens the very fabric of our society and the nature of our democracy. And so I got involved with Braver Angels, then called Better Angels, named Mm -hmm. after the famous Lincoln quote, the better angels of our nature, which he developed on the brink of the Civil War, talking to a nation divided. 
I got involved right at the beginning and I was really impressed with the model that we developed to help people talk across the divide. And five years later, here I am on the brink of the 2022 midterms, helping lead a national movement of reds and blues working together to bridge the divide. Great. That's a terrific intro. So, um, uh, so tell us a little bit about um, how the organization works. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more specifically later too about the different kinds of events, uh, but basically, so what, what is your uh, basic approach? Sure. So at a high level, we are a national volunteer led movement to bring red and blue Americans together, conservatives and liberals, Republicans and Democrats We have equal balance between conservatives and progressives built into our DNA. Mm -hmm. We work in communities, on college campuses, in the media, and in the halls of political power to bring Americans together, not to necessarily meet in the middle or compromise values or moderate positions, but to grow trust, to foster understanding beyond stereotypes and to build meaningful ways to participate together in this grand experiment in ordered liberty. Our initial approach to reducing affective polarization, which is our attitudes toward the political other, is rooted in family therapy, in particular couples counseling, and was developed according to principles that help married couples struggling with conflict to better understand each other's perspectives and communicate across an increasingly toxic divide that threatens their union. And the approach to political disagreement was developed by Professor William Doherty. He's a professor at the University of Minnesota, a longtime family therapist And he helped develop our first red-blue workshop. And over time, that's blossomed into a whole range of programs, debates, workshops, skills trainings, as well as various initiatives across media, academia, and politics. Hmm. That's very interesting because, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, as we come to the holidays, what people talk about a lot is like, is about, okay, how are we going to deal with this around the Thanksgiving table (laughs) when family members get together? And I think that uh, you, what you point out is that a lot of these disagreements are rooted in in emotional components between individuals. So I think very interesting that it's a family therapy model, because I think that's, you know, it, it, these things dig deep and often I'm, I'm perplexed because it's like, well, it doesn't seem like people are arguing about politics really. They're arguing about, something deeper, a sense of culture, um, a, a sense of, you know, community or, or differences, but they're, they're values, but they're different emphases on values. But if you can get people just to sit down and, and, you know, break bread, so to speak, or, or, or just find, you know, avenues where they can sit down and physically just talk it through each other. But I think a lot of times it, it does, it, it needs counseling though. It needs right a methodology, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, politics are a religion and they're increasingly baked into people's identities. 
And that makes it harder and harder for people to compromise those identities and easier and easier to demonize and dehumanize. The other element, of course, is the breakdown in social trust, the rise of misinformation and the very epistemological divide in which those on opposing sides of the political aisle are oftentimes living in different realities and can't even agree on basic sets of facts, which makes it even more difficult to discuss politics. Absolutely. Um, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm just recalling um, uh, my dad um, who passed away some years ago, but uh, growing up um, in the 60s, uh, I was uh, quite impressed that my, my, my dad or our dad uh, co-owned a, a Model A 1936 fire truck. And his co-owner was a, a friend of his, but they were both volunteer firemen. So that's how they mm. got to know each other. You know, they were friends. They, you know, they went out on fires together. They were part of the community. Uh, he was a staunch Democrat. My father was a Republican. Uh, and I remember in particular the Kennedy-Nixon uh, election, which was very, you know, hotly contested, that um, they would go out, they'd come in this truck, and uh, my father's friend, Dave, uh, would go out with the truck and he'd go campaigning and clanging around neighborhoods all around our area um, for Kennedy. And he'd come back. My father would take the truck, change all the signs, go back out with Nixon signs. And um, that's what they did, you know, and they were friends, but they were, they were part of a community. And I think that's what helped. They were, they knew each other. And I think a lot of times these disagreements come about sort of, as you said, you don't, you don't really know your your opponents or enemies or those you disagree with. You're not part of the same community. So you there's not a basis, you know, and a lot of this, you know, comes about through social media, right? Where where people are whatever, you know, whether they're on Twitter or Facebook, wherever, but they don't really know, you know, the people they're talking at. Yes, and talking at is a good way to put it. We're increasingly talking at or about our political opponents instead of talking with them. And it's hard to work with people and talk with people you don't trust. And it's hard to trust people you don't know. And increasingly we live in sordid communities, geographies in which we're surrounded by the like-minded and we retreat further into media echo chambers so that our perception and impression of those on the other side of the divide is not shaped so much by our own experiences, but filtered through a tribal media bubble where the incentives are division and anger and outrage, which has been shown to provide advertisers with more profit, more clicks, and to help politicians gain and maintain power. Yeah, I, I as you point out, uh, I think there's there are incentives in the media, and, and I spent many years as a journalist, so I covering politics in part, and so there's there's a subtle incentive to keep the conflict going, you know, because it generates stories, it generates drama, uh, and I think the you know when when the um, social media look at you know where they do get clicks, the more division, the more it clicks. 
you know, the, so the more people are uh, subtly incentivized to to uh, be involved in this uh, division. Um, so, um, you know, I, just switching for a little bit. Um, so, so the the uh, you know my my show is about forty five forward, um, and I think that, uh, but I think one of the things that one of the I think. I guess it's sort of mythology is as we get older, we, we perhaps get more conservative. Um, it doesn't seem like the data actually shows that we may be entrenched, but it does seem that younger or older, we, we may get more set in our attitudes, but we don't really shift that much. Is that what your experience is? I do think that people's sense of political identity is more formative in their younger years. Mm-hmm. And I think as we get older, we get more set in our communities. So it becomes easier for us to become more polarized. But through Braver Angels, we found that building relationships is a way for people to broaden their perspective and broaden the circle of people with whom they interact in a political context. And while this doesn't necessarily change people's views, it does make them more open to new ways of thinking about issues. And this actually usually strengthens and enriches people's political philosophy because they're more able to embrace nuance and understand the complexities that govern behavior and interactions and understand the lived experiences of people who disagree with them so that even if they don't agree with someone else's views, they can better understand why and how they've arrived at their views so that they've humanized the other person. And thus it becomes harder to demonize and invalidate when it's an actual human being in all of their complexities and flaws versus a flattened stereotype or a boogeyman that they've been taught to fear and loathe. Right. Yeah. Talk about, uh, I was interested in in looking at your website, um, which is braverangels.org, right? That's the, site which i would yes. i would encourage people to take a look at it you have a lot of terrific stuff there um but you talk about the braver angels way so what are some of the some of the your principles operating principles because I, I found the list very um you know uh intriguing and you know uh it's important just to have a, a basic set of principles sure well the braver angels way is as follows We state Mm -hmm. our views freely and fully without fear. Mm -hmm. We welcome opportunities to engage with those with whom we disagree. We treat people who disagree with us with honesty and respect. We seek to disagree accurately, avoiding exaggeration and stereotypes. We look for common ground where it exists and, Mm -hmm. if possible, find ways to work together. We believe that all of us have blind spots and none of us are not worth talking to. We believe that in disagreements, both sides share and learn. And in Braver Angels, neither side is teaching the other or giving feedback on how to think or say things differently. 
Great. Yeah, I think that that's, um, so I'm resonating on the last point, especially because I think that's uh, one of the sticking points that people are trying to change the other's mind to think my way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think um, one of the, I, I think he's on your, your board, uh, 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 an expert, uh, Jonathan Haidt, right? He's on the, so he wrote a book that I thought was compelling um, called, um, you know, uh, I think it's um, The Righteous Mind. And I think he, so he points to this, that this, there's a sense of self-righteousness that I think that we have to get beyond. It's just like, okay, you think this, I think this. We can agree to disagree and we can figure out a way to move forward. Um, one of the things um, that I learned years ago, taking a, a course in consensus uh, building and collaboration is that um, to collaborate and, and to come to consensus doesn't require unanimity. You don't have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to agree on all points, but you find enough common ground, as you've pointed out, to be able to move forward. And I think that's one of the things that we have to deal with as a society. We don't have to to agree. We have to find enough agreement to move forward because that's how the whole country was founded. Um, There were, you know, when we, when the constitution was created, there was lots of disagreement and there was lots of compromise. And um, I I remember reading as the biography of of Benjamin Franklin and who was older when uh, the constitution was approved and afterward, there was a lot of argument and, um, you know, and he was asked, what did he think of it? And he said, eh, it's pretty good <laughs> for, for now. He didn't go, this was, this is, this is brilliant. This is it. He recognized that, well, it, it was workable. We could use it as a, as a starting point. So I think that's the, the key is, is recognizing that we can compromise. We can, there's a basis to start without being perfect. Um, so, um, Kieran, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. A quick two-minute break, uh, but I, don't don't go away, anybody. We'll be right back with much more from Kieran O'Connor of Braver Angels. This is going to be a terrific conversation. So, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com/forward/slash/VoiceAmerica. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety channel the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you're listening to 45 forward to reach ron roel or his guest on the program please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com 
That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We are talking today with Kieran O'Connor, a writer, speaker, and activist working to bring Americans together across the political divide, who currently serves as the chief marketing officer for Braver Angels. Now, uh, before the break, we were talking, Kieran, about the importance of consensus and uh, um, collaboration and, and uh, that it doesn't really require unanimity. Uh, and, and one of the things that, um, um, uh, th- that I've noted is that, uh, in, in fact, um, having some disagreement is probably good for our democracy in the sense that when we have super majorities, um, you know, people can basically steamroll an agenda. And it's not even good for those who have the super, super majority because um, you could really, um, you know, your, your, your opposition is, is part of your agenda. They're not, they're just your opposition. They're not your enemy. And in fact, they can help clarify your, your agenda by pointing out things that you might've had blind spots about. Um, so I think that that's uh, an important component. And, and I think, you know, in the work you do at Braver Angels, you, you, you help sort of uh, explode the differences between, you know, progressives and conservatives. And, I'm not sure those terms are even really relevant or relevant today. I think people have very different notions of what they are. And I think that a lot of people really don't fit into those categories. Right. Something I mean, I talk to a lot of people and they say, well, I'm, I'm socially liberal, but I'm fiscally conservative. So they don't fit into parties. So I think what the work you do really takes people beyond their affiliation, their clubs, you know, some, a democratic club it takes them out and really forces them to think, well, what do I really think about? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the interesting things about our workshops, particularly the red blue workshop, where we bring together an even number of reds and blues is that people get to hear the other side in their own words. So they get to understand the rich variety of opinions within a certain tribe and get beyond the stereotypes because again, we're complicated creatures. And just because one person voted for a certain person does not mean they share the same attitudes as everyone else who voted for that person. And giving people an opportunity to kind of peek beneath the hood a little bit is really effective in terms of helping people understand that and and realize that and it gives people different ways to connect because it clarifies the disagreements and i think we should be clear-eyed about the disagreements that exist they're real they're stark there are a lot of issues in which people have directly opposed views and i don't think it serves anyone's interest to try to paper over the disagreements or fetishize some kind of centrist compromise. But what we can do is build trust. And ultimately that's how we get America to choose conversation instead of violence. Great. Yeah. So on that note, why don't we talk more specifically about the kinds of things that you do, some specifics about, the ways you do this. I mean, I, I was looking at your website. I mean, you have um, you have actual training, skills training workshops, uh, experiential workshops, one-on-one conversations. 
you know, corporate training workshops. Talk a little bit about these events, and and I I know you have community forums as well, and and you you uh, recently too you've had candidate um, um, debates. So let's let's just take a sampling, pick some of these things, and tell us, give us some specifics about how you work on a day to day basis. Sure. So I think our bread and butter is really our our workshops, our direct engagement on the ground. Although we also do a lot of stuff online, which really kicked into gear during the pandemic and has continued afterward and, and helped us scale. Um, you know, we have skills training workshops where people can learn skills for having difficult political conversations with people in their life, whether it's mm-hmm. family members and friends or community members or people in the workplace. We have workshops where people can kind of look within and get a better sense of how they really feel about those that differ with them. And we have workshops particularly dedicated to family strife, helping loved ones divided by politics, uh, conversations focused on other divides, be it race or the rural-urban divide or the divide between educated elites and working class Americans. Uh, We have a skills for social media workshop, which Hmm. helps people think about how to discuss politics online without contributing to the vitriol. We have common ground workshops that allow folks to dive into specific issues. And we have debates, which is an opportunity for people to argue, but to argue in a constructive way so that we can arrive at a, a shared pursuit, at least, of truth rather than a simple zero-sum dominate or submit style of debate that we've become so accustomed to associating with politics. You mentioned one-on-one conversations that enable you to talk directly with a specific person across differences. We have lots of different opportunities for college students to engage in workshops and debates. As you know, a lot of college campuses have become very polarized and Mm -hmm. a lot of students feel like they don't necessarily have those venues to really express themselves freely and fully without fear of judgment or ostracization. We have a Braver Politics Initiative, which is a citizen-led movement to engage candidates, public officials, and political staff, and take what's worked for us at the grassroots level into the political arena. We also have Braver Angels Music, Braver hmm. Angels Film Club, Braver Angels Book Club. You know, it wow. doesn't always have to just be politics. Mm-hmm. Um, we we want to bring people together in, in a number of different ways, and we're also looking to strengthen our partnerships so that we can build a social movement of organizations across a range of societal sectors who are committed to the idea of depolarization. Yeah. I think that uh, I noticed on your website, you had um, something recently in my area in Long Island where you came into um, a high school and Mm. some workshops there. And I think that, so while my show is 45 forward, I think that that a multi-generational approach to many issues is really the key. You know that we don't um, we don't divide things by generations either, and um, I, I know that um, you know we as we talked earlier that 
Um, people might get more entrenched as they get older. I think that, but engaging people when they're younger and recognizing that, uh, that the, as you get older, certainly people um, may be more engaged politically in the sense that uh, I think in my area also, uh, when they looked at the, um, the, the, who voted in the primary on, on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, 80% of the voters were over 50. So it certainly becomes important as a, as a, as a voter, um, you know, but uh, I think your engagement process is important because these are when your attitudes start getting formed. And this is when, you know, you can really build in the skills earlier about this kind of engagement. So I think it's terrific stuff. Um, and you yourself, so you uh, are involved in, you, you um, manage the podcast, right? For Rain Angels. Yes, we we do a lot of things in the media space. Mm-hmm. So we try to model what constructive cross-partisan discourse can look like. So we have essays and videos and blog posts. And yes, we also have the Brave Angels podcast, which I often host. And that's a opportunity to show what this kind of vigorous yet virtuous discussion can look like between people who disagree and to talk to leading thinkers and scholars and writers who are developing fresh ideas for how we can move forward as a country when we're clearly on the brink of a massive rift with Mm -hmm. deadly consequences. Yeah. I think it's important to hear these views and, and hear some, you know, positivity about it because it's, you know, it, it is easy. It's easier to be negative. It just is. And um, it takes more work <laughs> to be positive. And I guess sometimes it does um, discourage me that I hear people who they don't want to agree. They don't want to, they, 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 they want to stay. And I guess the verb is the, the description is they want to stay in their bubbles. Um, but I think once they get out of their bubbles, um, they're pleasantly surprised, you know, that they can sit down with people um, I remember um, uh, a, a couple of months ago, I saw this movie, um, Purple, which was a, a documentary put out by this uh, group that's, uh, I think, similar to yours, but I don't, I don't think quite as um, expansive, um, called uh, resettingthetable.org. And I think that they engaged that literally they, they brought people, you know, they brought a community together, red and blue. I think the, the one I saw was in Ohio. Um, so that, and, and, you know, it was a short piece, but even as they got feedback from people, um, at the end of the film, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, uh, you know, people in the community who really didn't talk to each other and now they're talking to each other. And I think that what you said before is important. It's just a lot of times it's just people need, they don't need to agree. They need to feel listened to and they need to feel respected. And I think that's one thing that that's broken down. People don't feel that. Is that, do you get that sense also? Yeah. I mean, people feel like they can't open their mouth without being attacked. And so people either avoid politics altogether or when politics comes up, they already start to have their temperature rising and their fists clenched because Mm. they're ready to defend their positions and, attack the other side. It's not necessarily a fulsome and trustful interaction that we provide at Braver Angels. Right, 
right? Um, uh, so the, there are, I'm just looking at, so you mentioned that there are film discussions, there's a book group, um, uh, and you have partnerships with people. You mentioned that earlier. Talk about the partnerships a bit. What, how do you, how you do that? Yeah, so I'd say on one level, there's a lot of other organizations that are working to do this kind of bridging in different areas. And we want to encourage people to come into the movement through whatever style of programming they can find. But we also want to partner with organizations across the country that are not necessarily explicitly dedicated to bridge building, but understand the importance of it. You know, whether that's houses of worship or local community groups or even businesses who are concerned about polarization because political division is increasingly entering the workplace, entering the boardroom, causing all sorts of problems for companies who struggle with their employees not being able to work together because of politics. So this is really a total societal issue and we're not gonna be able to make a meaningful difference in the country if we're one organization operating alone. We need to create a movement that relies on a network of organizations and partners. Right, Who, uh, now can you talk about, are, are some of the, um, um, your partners involved with you now in terms of some of your upcoming activities? Yeah. So I'd say the biggest next thing Brave Angels doing is the national convention, mm -hmm. which is happening in July in Gettysburg college. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be bringing together leaders of organizations across the country to really help build our movement. So that going into 2024, which really promises to be a vicious campaign season, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've built up our army and we're ready to give Americans an opportunity who are fed up and really want to take a stand uh, for the ideals of this country. Yeah. Now, just coming up, I, I know now you've been involved. Um, uh, so we'll we'll have that uh, information on, on our my website as well. But uh, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity later, too, to tell uh, people how they can get more information about this. Um, but, uh, at, at right now, uh, in the next, uh, well, I guess tomorrow's the election. So, so after the election, what, what, are there any particular plans to do something after the election in terms of, okay, here's what happened now. Now, what do we do going forward? Sure. So actually next week on Monday and Tuesday, we're going to be hosting a couple of big virtual events mm -hmm. in partnership with two other organizations, one of which is called Bridge USA which mm -hmm. is a network of college campuses and young people dedicated to bridge building work. The other is Starts With Us, which is a nonprofit dedicated to developing and amplifying media that can bring us together. And so the first event will be a public panel featuring some leading intellectuals and journalists and politicians mm -hmm. coming together to discuss new ideas for bridge building. And then, the next day we will have a public event so that people can come together and process the results of the midterms and figure out where we go from here when it comes to holding the country together. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's just been so much talk about, uh, you know, 
catastrophizing what's going to happen next. And I think that, um, um, you know, I, I do think it's important to, to do this work beyond elections. As I said before, you know, certainly, you know, it's important. Everyone's, you know, focusing on get out and vote, get out and vote. And I think that is certainly important. You know, that's, that's part of our, uh, our uh, an essential part of our democracy. Um, that said, there, there is a problem with it in, in the sense that when you uh, resort to votes, there are winners and losers. And um, the losers, you know, always feel a loss. You know, they feel there's an emotional loss. Um, and uh, I think that one of the issues is, is what you're talking about, which is not that at a certain point, yes, you do have elections, but if you can get beyond just the win-lose component of elections and just have people talking about what it is um, that they agree and disagree on and can move forward, I, I think that's really important. And I, and I think in some ways, um, again, I'm not downplaying the importance of elections, but um, to overemphasize them as the means of democracy, I think um, is problematic. And I think that you, you need to go beyond the elections because a lot of the work happens between elections, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, being a citizen is, is a full-time job and it involves finding fellow citizens where they are, not just trying to beat them at the ballot box. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so um, let's see, I'm going to just uh, jump a little bit to um, how you uh, well, well, we'll probably I'll talk about this at, at the end of the break uh, on the, on the last the other side of the break as well. But uh, we could just start a minute to talk about um, how it is that you uh, work as in terms of uh, getting people involved um, in Braver Angels. Sure. So we're really a national grassroots movement that mm -hmm. is comprised of dozens, now almost 100 local alliances, mm -hmm. which are roughly even number of liberals and conservatives working together to spread the word and spread the work. Mm -hmm. And so as our alliances grow, so too does our national movement. As our media efforts grow, so too does our voice in the public conversation. Great. Okay. So, I, I, yeah, I'm going to explore this much more with you at the other side of the break, but uh, uh, we're going to take a, another quick break. Um, uh, but when we come back, we'll be talking much more about how you can get involved with Braver Angels, what the alliances are like, uh, what specific ways you can get engaged. Uh, so don't go away. You'll want to hear this. Uh, we'll be talking much more in our last uh, segment with Kieran O'Connor of Braver Angels. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking in our last segment with Kieran O'Connor, writer, speaker, and activist, uh, who's now working uh, to bring Americans together across the political divide as the chief marketing officer for Braver Angels. Uh, now, before we continue with our last segment, I wanted to mention that you can find out much more about Kieran and Braver Angels by going to their website, which is uh, braverangels.org. That's one word, braverangels.org. And you can find out lots of stuff there. Very interesting. Listen, fun, you know, click on the podcast, learn more about the organization's history and programs and events. And you can find out how you can get involved in helping uh, bring Americans together as individuals. Um, um, so uh, let's just talk a bit about that, Karen. So, so people can get involved. They can join as a member, right? Yeah, there's a number of ways to get involved. I think the first step is to go to our website, sign up for our email list. You'll start getting our newsletter and our updates and then sign up for an event. See what Braver Angels is all about. We Mm -hmm. have events happening across the country and online multiple times a week. You can find something that interests you and and really get a taste of what Braver Angels looks like in action. But ultimately, the way to support and get involved in Braver Angels is to become a member. We are Mm -hmm. a a member-led movement. Our dues are just a dollar a month. So, it's uh, accessible to all Americans, and we really want Brave Angels membership to reflect the country that we seek to serve in all of its diversity, political, racial, socioeconomic, et cetera. And Brave Angels members get access to uh, all sorts of different programs that are not open to the public, uh, weekly member calls, and really get uh, access to Brave Angels leadership because we are a national volunteer-led, decentralized movement. Um, And we really depend on people getting involved because they care about the mission and they understand its importance. Terrific, yeah. Um, And then uh, we're talking about some of the upcoming events. Um, uh, So we have a couple after the election. Um, In general, uh, what are the, uh, I'm looking at some of the other, uh, uh, besides the podcast, there is a, you're working with uh, 
folks at uh, American Purpose, right? Pepperdine University's American Project. Um, uh, any any interesting engagements like that people should know about? Yeah, so you mentioned elections, and I think it's important to understand the negative effects of the loss of trust mm-hmm. in our elections because people no longer trust the results of elections. And when you have people losing trust in elections, you've kind of lost your democracy. Mm-hmm. If people think elections are illegitimate and you have an instance in which both sides are accusing the other of trying to subvert democracy. And so we are specifically going straight at this issue and mm-hmm. trying to bring together uh, conservatives concerned with voter fraud as they see it, uh, progressives concerned with voter suppression, uh, to see how we can build trust when it comes to our elections so that going forward we can try to avoid the consequences of distrust mm-hmm. and the rejection of election results. Yeah. So. I think people who are concerned about that should look out for those workshops in particular. That would be great. I mean, I, cause I think that's, I was just going to ask you to follow up a little bit about just some thoughts about, Oh, how do you, how do you deal with um, situations where people can't agree on the facts? Um, uh, look, I, I, I do believe that the election was fair and secure. I mean, the top um, election, guy in charge of election security was a Trump appointee. And he said the elections were probably the most secure in our history. And yet people are that there's a lot, are a lot of people who don't agree with that. And, you know, a number of people in Congress who refuse to certify the election. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there, you know, that's what people talk about is like, they can't agree on facts. So how do you how do you get people to sit down and, and and hash through which facts are facts and which are not are are just opinions? Sure. Well, I think it really starts again with the notion of trust mm-hmm. because people reject consensus and fall victim to conspiracy theories when they lose trust in institutions and mainstream sources of information and when they feel increasingly marginalized. And so we need to find ways to start to build that social trust because that's ultimately how we can establish a shared reality. And if we basically say, well, oh, certain people are so far gone or living in an alternate reality, why should we even talk to them? That actually makes the issue worse Mm -hmm. because they become less trustful, more marginalized, and we could see a repeat of 2020 and things could get far more worse. Yeah, <laughs> they could. Um, I'm hoping not. I, I'm, I, uh, I insist upon being optimistic uh, and, and recognize that um, this is a process that's going to take some time. Um, and I think that we need to have that kind of patience and that trust. I, I do think that um, a lot of it's a process of willingness to sit down and get to know the 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 others you're, with those you disagree. Um, and I think that you know, for me, it's like it's trying to break down 
that there is there is a side, the other side that says, well, there isn't, there aren't sides on this thing. There are disagreements about issues. Um, one of the things that I remember, one of your board members, as I mentioned earlier, Jonathan Haidt, in his book *The Righteous Mind*. What I found interesting was that he he did a, a very um, systematic analysis of. I think he broke down several issues in terms of values, and, and between um, conservatives and and liberals. And what he found was that that there was a basic agreement about the the set of values, but conservatives and liberals didn't place the same emphasis on values. So they. Everyone agrees on you know liberty and justice, but they have different views about what that means. Um, so it's so there is a basis of agreement, but there's a d- different emphasis. And I think that um, you know conservatives had more of an emphasis about um, freedom. Um, liberals had more of an emphasis on social justice, but there wasn't a basic there wasn't a disagreement that 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 neither of these was important. It was just a matter of emphasis and getting people to really understand. That that's what it was about. It wasn't saying we 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 have different belief systems. You know what I mean? Sure. And one of the other ideas that Height develops in that book, The Righteous Mind, which I encourage people to check out, is just how deeply we are emotional creatures, mm-hmm. and we really base our intuition and reaction and decisions on our emotions and then use our rationality ex post facto to try to rationalize and justify our emotions. And I think if people can remember that and step back and be sensitive to the fact that we're not always as rational as we think, and Mm -hmm. we're really operating based on our own perspective as informed by our own lived experiences and, and priors, that gives us a little bit of humility and humility makes it easier to access empathy, and empathy is what leads to trust. Yeah, uh, humility. That's a that's another key word that I think is important. I think that so as we get older, I think that becomes uh, with experience a little bit more accessible too. That that okay, you know, I've lived through a lot of this stuff. I can I can see things, and I think humility to me is is tied to a sense of wisdom. You know, and that's the difference between just intelligence and and talent and versus understanding what counts and what really doesn't count. Um, so uh, I just wanted to get, you know, perhaps close before we give some more uh, end on some, you know, again, um, giving the audience uh, contact information for you. But just some of your personal thoughts. I mean, how do you feel about, you know, you're you're I don't think you're 45 yet. Right. Or you're. Nope. OK. But but you're. 45 will happen sooner than you think. So from a, a multi-generational perspective, what do you think here? And what, what, do you, what, what are your personal feelings about where we are going forward and what it's going to take to, to accomplish this larger mission of Braver Angels? Yeah, I think we're at a perilous place for mm-hmm. our democracy. And it's certainly understandable why people could feel disillusioned or hopeless But I think a lot of that hopelessness comes from a sense of helplessness Hmm. and a sense that people don't feel like they can do anything to prevent this slide into vitriol and rancor. And I think one of the powerful things about Braver Angels is 
it actually gives people an opportunity to take action and feel like they're doing something for the country and really, you know, putting their shoulder to the wheel in their own small way to be active citizens and really do the work of citizenship and democracy at the local level. And so I'd encourage folks out there who are feeling helpless uh, to get involved with Brave Angels as a way to exercise some agency. And again, as you mentioned, the best way to do that is to go to our website, but can also check out the podcast, can follow us on YouTube. We have a lot of great video content. Mm. And you can check out your local alliance so that you can actually start getting to know people in your community who come from different backgrounds and have different feelings about politics. Because this is a big and diverse country. And unlike a couple, we're not really capable of getting a divorce. So we should try to find a better way to live and work with one another. Great. Yeah. And, and how about how many local alliances are there at this point? Almost a hundred and mm-hmm. many more coming online each month. Right. So you go to the website to find these alliances and then you can join that way. That's right. Well, that's great. Yeah. I, I think that's a really key point that you mentioned that hopelessness comes from helplessness. So I think uh, when people, as you put it, can feel a sense of agency, I think that's really the kid critical piece because you do hear that people say well what can i do what can i do well here's something you can do um so so um kieran i wanted to just we're coming to a close but i before we end i just wanted to thank you for a terrific conversation uh, thought-provoking uh, i'd love to have you back uh, you know uh, perhaps on the eve of your convention next year which again is july 5th through 8th right next year so keep an eye out for that for the, some of the uh, events post-election the next few weeks. Um, and uh, the best contact for you, Kieran, if they want to reach you? The best contact would be media at braverangels.org. Great. Okay. So once again, folks, uh, tell your friends if they missed my conversation with Kieran O'Connor today, you can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Just search for my show, 45 Forward. You can also listen to it on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or go to my website, roelresources.com, and just click on the 45 Forward tab. Um, So um, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Iris Wachler, a renowned author of Role Versal, How to Take Care of Yourself and Your Aging Parents. Uh, Next, this month is uh, November is National Family Caregivers Month, and Iris will talk about lessons she's learned about the many dimensions of caregiving and patient advocacy, Uh, both ageism and what she calls youngism. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.